Well, welcome to the Situation Report for Wednesday, October 18th. Well, welcome to the Situation Report for Wednesday, October 18th. This is a special edition today. I'm joined by Michael Yon. A lot of you know his reporting of the Darien Gap and the influx of migrants and illegals into the country. And I was fortunate enough to pin him down yesterday and spend about an hour on the phone with him. And I, let me tell you, you're going to be blown away by what you're about to hear and the amount of knowledge he has on the current situation, the ground situation. Uh, Michael, thanks for joining. I appreciate you doing this on short notice because I know you have a ton of things going on in your plate. Nothing more important than this because we have to get the word out, you know, um, we're being shut down so many ways, but we are still, uh, you know, if they were in complete control, I say they, the beast at this point, which is an amalgam we can describe later, but if they were in complete control, we would not be able to talk. They are not in complete control. They haven't gotten us all yet. We clearly are causing them to react to us as well, right? <clears throat> they have landed a lot of blows on us. They have done a lot of damage, but we're not defeated and we are, and they are afraid of us. Uh, because they know if 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 enough of us come together, they've got problems. And uh, right now, when I say they, you know, interestingly, I had dinner a couple nights ago with a member, uh, an American member of government in the United States. I had dinner with him here in Panama, and um, and he he's a older gentleman and very smart, and he was only vaguely familiar with the World Economic Forum. And uh, this is you know pretty amazing because. You can never under, understand what's going on ever without understanding who the World Economic Forum is. If you think you know what's going on with all these migrations and things like that, and you don't know what the World Economic Forum is, you have no idea. You, you, you're, you're clueless. It's like, it's like me telling you two plus two apples equals four apples, but you don't know what apples are. You don't know what numbers are, and you don't know what addition is. You cannot even you have no concept of what I just said. Two plus two equals two plus apple, two, two apples plus two apples equals four apples. Would When I'm saying World Economic Forum is working in collusion with Chinese Communist Party, if you don't understand that, you're absolutely helpless on understanding what's going on. You have to stop what you're doing and understand those two parties and their collusion together. And then from there, you can start to understand why I've been attacking Governor Abbott in Texas for so long. He is a member of the World Economic Forum. Why there's no chance I would get involved in the Israel war right now. Netanyahu, the prime minister, is a member of the World Economic Forum. That is our enemy, straight up enemy, right? The, the huge flows that are coming uh, into the United States and into Europe, this is all sponsored by of course, everybody knows the UN and all that, but the UN are just operating arms at this point of amalgams of people such as the World Economic Forum. The chairman is Klaus Schwab. People know uh, who Klaus Schwab is. Um, I think most people probably do at this point. Uh, and the World, Econo World Economic Forum is co-sanguinated with the Chinese Communist Party. This is important. They're not buddies. They're they're like frenemies, right? Uh, eventually, it's they will definitely of fight each other. Yeah, it's a marriage of convenience. It's a marriage of convenience. Oh yeah, it it's like you know, like uh, ISIS buddied up with Al Qaeda or something, right? I mean, it's it's that sort of thing, right? And so now, World Economic Forum 
is almost like a modern Genghis Khan. They've spackled together an amalgam of different, you know, stakeholders, as they call them, right? Hey, let's go raid the world. Let's go raid the world and and raid it of its riches and then basically enslave everybody, you know? Uh, and, uh, and so these stakeholders all see a potential profit in taking over places like Australia, taking over places like New Zealand, uh, Canada, United States, of course, and um, just everywhere. I mean, raid the world, basically. I mean, this is the biggest bank robbery in human history, right? Or not just bank robbery, but also enslavement process. Now, keep in mind, Chinese Communist Party wants to do very similar. They just want it to be Chinese. So in the, in the short term and the medium term goals, the World Economic Forum and the Chinese Communist Party, they cooperate deeply together. And they, in fact, annual meetings in Davos and also in China, they have them in China. This isn't hidden. None of what I'm telling you is conspiracy theories. And by the way, when people just throw out the term conspiracy theory uh, without any basis, I, I actually block them anymore. I don't have time for them. This is, we don't have time for children, right? This is clear, straight up fact that, that you know, the fact is, Netanyahu in 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 uh, in, in uh, Israel, he pushed the vax, which is what World Economic Forum was very uh, you know pushing as hard as they could. World Economic Forum is openly trying to depopulate planet Earth, and they are openly trying to push these jabs. Who else did it? Trudeau, member of the World Economic Forum. All over the globe, people in the World Economic Forum pushing the jab, pushing the jab, pushing the jab. Like, like here in Panama, uh, same thing. Two countries that locked down, severely locked down, were Panama and Israel. Very severely locked down during the jabs, right? Now, Panama, the Panama Canal is right outside my window right now. Panama Canal is a huge pork chop around Panama's neck. There's a lot of people that would love to control this canal, and including the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, and members of the World Economic Forum. You see Chinese Communist Party activity all over the place here. They got a Confucius Institute down the road from me in the, in the University of Panama downtown. We've been to it. I've been to it multiple times. You know, they got the pretty young Mandarin-speaking Chinese girls who, you know, that's they they are here specifically to spear fish for the children of the elite, get them on scholarships back to China, get them, uh, you know, uh, uh, get them into the system, so to speak, so that, you know, China will have deep roots within the Panamanian government. They do the same. I've been attacking China. Wait, you, you said something last night that I think is, this is a good place to, to reference that. And I want to make sure we stop and reference that you said that china has laid claim to all chinese across the planet are chinese descendants can you explain that because i think that's a salient point right here because we, we can go into the chinese confucius university and them and doing the indoctrination uh, let me just say before we get into that they're not going to be successful because a bulk of the population won't sign up for communism and this marriage of convenience at some point is going to break down for the simple fact that the Europeans don't want the Chinese to be in charge, and there's going to be some kind of a conflict that, that derives out of that. And you said earlier, which I wanted to reiterate, we haven't been conquered yet, and I doubt we're going to be for a couple of reasons. The first one is, and we, you and I talked about this last night, so just bear with me. Now, the first reason is, is that there's going to be the law of unintended, the law of unintended consequences is going to slap them in the face probably very shortly, and if there's a marriage of convenience and they don't have complete control, it means we can still interdict their operations and disrupt their operations and drive them to failure in every way we can without having to fire a shot. 
So just want to get that out first before you start talking about the the Chinese claiming eminent domain of all Chinese uh, is it ascendants? Is that what it was? Well, they they're okay. You know where where this was starting to come in sharp relief that the Chinese Communist Party is claiming domain over all Chinese genes, genetics, right? <laughs> your DNA, right? If you're Chinese, if you got any, if 23andMe shows some Chinese in your blood, you know, they're going to claim, you know, lawful, uh, you know, authority over you. Now, you know, when I was in Hong Kong in 2019, they kicked me out in 2020. I was watching the, the resistance there. I was out with them for seven months until they kicked me out. And uh, they took me to the airplane and shut the door. And um, the, <laughs> yeah, uh, I told it's good them to be number you know, one on the list. <laughs> yeah, I, I was, I was, you know, I, I was wondering if it actually if I was going to be disappeared. And I knew that going in the door. I mean, it was obviously extremely dangerous, but they let me go. And so uh, the uh, the Chinese Communist Party for years uh, has claimed that any anybody in the world who's of Chinese descent, including here in um, Panama. Many of the people here, Chinese here in Panama, like they have stores all over Panama, Chinese, right? But a lot of these Chinese that you see here, their families have been here like 150 years. I mean, they're Cantonese speaking Chinese, right? They, they, their grandparents may have never been to China, right? They came up, they still speak Cantonese and Spanish and a lot speak English. And, um, but they're, they're, you know, they're overseas Chinese, right? You have many groups like this around the world. There are diasporas, right? Whether it's Kurds or Jewish people or Germans, and yep. it goes on and on and on, right? Yes, you do. Yeah. And so, and um, and, US expats, uh, and same thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. For instance, here, even in anyway, not to go into that side road, but but the um um, but so there's Chinese expats all over the world. I see them everywhere when I'm, when I'm in Indonesia or Malaysia. You go to a Chinatown in Thailand and it's more Chinese than Shanghai. I spent a year running around China too, you know, in and around China, like up in Tibet and Shanghai and Beijing and Xi'an and all that stuff. I run all in and around China. I spent about, I don't know, 18 years probably in Asia, right? So I've been, I've seen, I've, I've taken a good inventory over there. And, uh, and uh, you see Chinatowns all over the place and they are authentic old Chinatowns, like, you know, like something from a movie, black and white movie or something. And so, um, because typically when, when people break off into these little islands, I call them anthro-insula because there's no word for it. I've checked with many anthropologists, so I just made one up. Anthro-insula is a human island, right? And I see these all over the world. An anthro-insula, a human island, let's say it's German and it's off in, I don't know, some faraway country. Let's say the Mennonites, whom I will be meeting soon in in a different country they speak low german still right uh, unfortunately i speak high german so i can only understand about a third of what they say but um but they will keep their old language and their old cultures and they'll keep that for centuries right because when you have an anthro insula that doesn't really uh uh let's say become part of the dominant culture of that area they keep their old stories their old ways of you know preparing food and and all their customs and their language remains the same it's like a time capsule actually so what i'm saying is as a lot of these overseas chinese they have nothing to do with modern china they're like you know they're like they have the culture from when they left china 200 years ago or 150 years ago right 
And so, but China is the Chinese Communist Party will claim domain over them. When I was in Hong Kong, you would see Chai Nazi signs everywhere. This is important. I'm, I'm going somewhere with all this. The Chai Nazi signs. And so I would I, I asked many, many Hong Kongers separately, you know, what do you mean by Chai Nazi? And they would always explain roughly the same, that fascism with a little f, not the big f fascism of Italy, but little f fascism is when government and, and business industry are so commingled that they are inseparable they are the same thing they're like salt water they're not you know they're not salt and water anymore they're salt water and uh and so that's what fascism is with a little f right now the nazi the nazi germany uh was fascist but then they added a huge racial component right that is what Nazism was. It was fascism with a huge uh, racist component. That's what the Chinese Communist Party is. And that's very important to understand. A lot of Chinese see this. So the most of the people in, in Hong Kong are Cantonese speakers, right? So I've been, I was going to Hong Kong for years. I can probably never go back now, but, but they're mostly Cantonese speakers. Now, over the years, the Chinese Communist Party was putting, was, was, through uh, migration, weaponized migration, not with weapons, but just sending uh, uh, Mandarin-speaking loyal Chinese into Hong Kong, saying, you know, go take your place, become teachers, become members of the government, become police officers, do all the things, you know, intelligence, everything, right? Get in there and and get in the cockpit, get in the control tower, everywhere, right? And uh, and so over a period of time, they basically became that fungus that takes over an ant colony, right? And so that's what the Chinese Communist Party did to the Hong Kong ant bed. They took over the ant colony, right? And so by the time the big uprisings in 2014 and 2019, there were a sufficient number of Mandarin-speaking uh, mainland Chinese who were loyal to the Chinese Communist Party to go ahead and strangle it out like an anaconda, right? And so, and that's what's happened. And nobody, most of the world did not stand up for Hong Kong. I certainly did because I, I thought that they were worth standing up for. And not only that, they were vital. There are a lot of people worth standing up for, but we can't go everywhere. So you have to focus your energies on what's important also for the United States, like Taiwan, uh, not Ukraine. Anyway, so the bottom line is, 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 the Chinese Communist Party, I'm going somewhere with all these anthro insulas. And, and so the Chinese Communist Party claims domain over all these people's genes, even though they've been gone forever and they have zero to do with the current culture in China. Chinese Communist Party, they hate them, but they got the genes. Now, Chinese Communist Party is claiming that all, you know, the people that, that are said to have come over the land bridge from Asia and and uh, and and uh, migrated over to all of North America, Mexico, all the way here through Panama and down to South America, they're claiming all those people were Chinese, that they're Chinese, came across the land bridge and settled across America. So basically the Cherokee Indians, the Sioux, the Arapaho, and the Kuna that I'm out with here sometimes, and the Embora are all Chinese descendants. You see where I'm going with this? Yep. So the Chinese Communist Party claims that since all the Native Americans and all the Native South Americans and all these indigenous cultures, they say are from the Chinese stock. Therefore, we took their land. So they're teaching the Chinese when they come to places like Mexico and the United States, Take it, come and take it. Read, you know, I mean, basically they're going to play Cowboys and Indians as their game, and we're the Indians this time, right? So because the original Indians, they say we're Chinese. 
So now they're going to reverse the deck and say, hey, well, you're Chinese. And so you owe your allegiance to us. And uh, and also, so in other words, these Cantonese speakers who are here and all over the world, uh, they're saying you belong to us. And if you go and not only should you keep your mouth shut with anything negative about the Chinese Communist Party or China, if you don't actively support us, like by giving us information, you know, you know, say some store in a in a town, if we call up and, you know, Chinese Communist Party needs information about, you know, who's in that town, you're obligated by law to help them, not just huge, you know, uh, computer companies and that sort of thing, but also small businesses all over the place are part, the Chinese Communist Party wants these to all be part of their meta intelligence structure, right? So that's where I'm going to with that. You look at the Chinese Communist Party, their goal is to make the world Chinese. I don't think they're going to succeed with that, but they're going for it and they're going for it with uh, it's, you know, it's a, with uh, with a pandemic, with uh, genetic. Go ahead, sir. It, it's a one trick pony because the it, it. So I'm glad you touched on this. This is why I wanted to steer you on this because you, you have domain knowledge because the next place we're going to go, we're going to go uh, about resources, Panama Canal, because that conversation was riveting last night. Um, I've said for probably the last two years that everything we're seeing across the spectrum of our government, the weaponization of all the agencies, the the uh, infiltration of all of our institutions, all done by China. So the Chinese, the Chinese are exceptional, and communists are exceptional in infiltration, intelligence, and disinformation. But they suck at complex operations. And this is a very complex operation that I don't think they're going to be successful at. They're going to do damage either way because they've already done damage, right? And you you talked last night about the influx and building roads through Panama and how Panama will eventually be absorbed into, you, know, you called them not tri-state tri cities. What did you call them? Uh, I can't think of the name of it. You know what I'm uh, talking about? The smart about? cities. Um for instance, in, um, well, for instance, Netherlands, you know, sometimes when I leave Panama, I'll shoot over to Netherlands. Panama is some of the most vital terrain on planet Earth, uh, you know, and that's obviously a blessing and a bane. You know what I mean? It's like, Absolutely. hey, I got this great big pork chop I get to nibble on every day and everybody sees that pork chop, right? You know what I'm yes, saying? Yes, they do. Yep, so Absolutely. The Panama Canal, built by the United States, which would have never even been here without the United States. In fact, Panama wouldn't be here uh, because, you know, Panama used to be part of Colombia. And and not to go down a history lane, but but Panama was, uh, you know, uh, cleaved off of Colombia so that we could make the canal. And uh, that's a, you know, interesting another side topic. But but this is a vital piece of terrain here. Now, of course, the Mexican president just announced that they're putting in uh, billions of dollars into their um Interoceanic uh, Railway, which is something, you know, they, I think I first read about this in books that are like, I don't know, 150 years old or something. And I read a lot of old books because you learn so much reading old books. One of the things you learn, first of all, when you read old books, they're not related to anything going on today. So you're safely removed from today's politics. But you'll see that they are written like most of them. It almost sounds like they were written this morning. But so I would say maybe 150 years ago or 120 years ago, some of the books I've read, they were already talking about building um, a railway between uh, at this certain area in Mexico, right? And uh, that goes from sea to sea, right? And they were also talking about doing similar things down in Colombia. 
blah 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 you know i've actually been and looked at the nicaragua route before and anyway bottom line is these are old ideas it's not like there's a new idea hey let's make a railway between the oceans in mexico it's an old idea in fact one of the old ideas was to roll ships up on these mega trains that would be like multiple trains side by side and roll the ship all the way like the ship gets onto the train and trains it to the other ocean and the ship keeps going uh, of course the ships were smaller then but uh they obviously never did that but anyway now the 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 mexican president has announced that they're going to go ahead and get to work on this stuff and it'll compete with the panama canal right uh but not not to put ships on trains but to take cargo now there's a reason why i spend so much time at the rio grande valley in texas near brownsville and callan i was just over there again and uh and uh of all people in the world um the governor of texas the so-called governor of texas greg abbott came down to mccallum to speak which he does often to the small bit it was a small business summit i was there i was three feet from him and uh and uh you know i was there for the whole speech he comes down to mccallum often why does governor abbott go to mccallum so often mccallum is part of the corridor that's involved with what president of mexico is just announcing this train system increasing the, and building part of the train system and 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 uh, making it more robust to you know up to the united states there's this corridor down in rio grande valley near brownsville and mccallum called the i-69 corridor which goes all the way up to detroit and also feeders from louisiana and that sort of thing and goes right to canada right the world economic forum has a, a headquarters in detroit right these are not coincidences these are so what i'm getting to no, if it's all about resources it's always yeah, about so, resources so it's it's about yeah these corridors and re, basically uh, gigantic silk routes you might that's why i go to netherlands so much netherlands has rotterdam harbor right and rotterdam harbor has been the scene you're a, a former military officer you know that's a historically important place it's yes it is uh, it's the biggest uh and there's been battles fought over that historically and wh wherever there was battles before there shall be battles again right and rotterdam harbor is the biggest harbor in europe right it's one of the top 10 in the world and just south of rotterdam I'm connecting all these dots, by the way. This isn't just random darts I'm throwing at the Oh, wall. I know you are. That's why I'm yeah, letting the, you go, because I know <laughs> that you're uh, you're going to sum all this up and blow everybody away. So yeah. please continue. The, um, the, uh, the, uh, yeah, Rotterdam, and, and you were asking about smart cities, so I'm getting this. Rotterdam and um, is the biggest harbor in Europe, and it's at the mouth of the Rhine River, which is sort of like the Mississippi of the... Uh, of Europe, right? And it's very important. I was just out at the Ryan at some of their big factories last year and talking with at BASF and other places. These are key places. And uh, and just south of Rotterdam Harbor is Antwerp Harbor in Belgium, the second biggest harbor in Europe. All, both of these are two of the top 10 in the world. Now, why is this important? Well, the Belt and Road Initiative that China has built this railway all the way across from Shanghai and other feeders in uh, China, all the way to drum roll, Rotterdam, right? So that's why I often leave here and go to Rotterdam. I'm leaving the Panama Canal and going to not just Rotterdam, but uh, Netherlands, because the World Economic Forum and Chinese Communist Party are working to build something called Tri-State City, Tri-State City three state city right now every time i mention this publicly on a 
on a like like now you'll get accusations of of uh conspiracy theory and at this point the people that use that term i just shut them out we don't have time for them it's children or it's information operatives you know it's just or people that can't understand calculus and they get confused by all the symbols and they're like hey this is garbage right so those not. are called liberals that's yeah that's liberals exactly i i encourage them to go get their vax and boost because they love it and i want them to go ahead and, and get filled with it and notice they don't hump our legs as much anymore i think it's probably because they can't find them anymore because they're either dead or they're confused from the vax anyway but the but the bottom line is is these were the same parties pushing the backs, but let's go back to Tri-State City. Every time I mention Tri-State City, you'll get accusations of conspiracy theory. However, <laughs> the maps are already drawn. They're all over the place. I mean, they're, they're openly making it while saying that's a conspiracy theory, like they always do, right? And so now why Tri-State City is most of Netherlands, part of Belgium, and part of Germany. This is to be a big, smart city, right? And and the uh, whole and, area and, they're gonna make. The oh whole yeah, area and they already food. have printed meat in Netherlands. I've been there. I went to a restaurant. I mean, like a sort of almost like an inkjet printer that actually prints steaks. I went to a restaurant that sells those things and bought one. I didn't eat it. I went there with Masako Ganaha, the famous Japanese journalist, and and um, she she actually tracked down Klaus Schwab in Switzerland and tracked him down, and the video went viral. She's awesome. And so. Um, What's it meant? What when you say a prince of steak? What's it printing it out of? <laughs> what are they? What are <laughs> lab they printing? Grown meat. Lab oh, grown yeah. meat, man. We could go on for days about this. Yeah, we're I not mean, doing that today, but we'll do hey, it. I know. But, we'll have like a hundred follow-ups to this. I know. It, it's so. it's absolutely gross, and so we we cut into it, and we're making video, and like, oh Lord, have mercy. We couldn't tell this apart from our actual steak, and um and so if you go on like YouTube and look up, you know, printed beef or something you should be able to find videos on it i have before they should I, I guess they're still on there i don't know and um but so bottom line is netherlands is vital terrain just like um uh, uh well hawaii and and uh and uh panama these are all vital terrains right but panama is really intensely vital as is netherlands right so they're putting a lot of effort so there's huge amounts of alien uh, migration, for instance, into uh, Netherlands, and they're taking away the farms from the farmers, and the information war is absolutely intense. You know, I, I left uh, Panama in March and went back to Netherlands for their for their elections, and uh, and I, I, you know, it's a small country, but I I drove literally seven or eight hundred miles around, bouncing off the borders, going to see farmers and members of parliament and that sort of thing. Uh, business people. I was all over that country in March again, and uh, and I was up in Groningen gas field, which is now the government has mentioned uh, as stated they're going to close it, which I was warning about back then because I'm I watch I, I watch information wars when you want not not info wars, which I do watch that as well when I get a chance. At this point, I used to think Alex Jones was crazy. Now I'm like, you know, he sounded crazy because he was just he just saw it more clearly. I went on his show yesterday. I mean. Uh, He's not. It turns out he's not crazy after all. And uh, oh, he's uh, just a good. He's just a good entertainer. I mean, let's let's face it. He's, he, he's an entertainer. He gets your attention, but he's he's not. He, he's he's not an actor. He's actually been very very accurate on things like this. And so, uh, as, as it turns, obviously, it takes time to see that. Like the idea is that they're going to use you know former Walmart super centers to house people. Uh, that sounded insane years ago, but they're 
definitely 100% doing it now. I've physically seen it with my eyes in Brownsville, Texas. So anyway, but bottom line is when you say housing people, they're just, they're, they're, you're not talking about like apartments. You're talking about big, um, detained, detained. Yeah. Detained. Detainee centers, if, yeah. If, if you're, if you're, if you're in, um, Brownsville, Texas, you can stop what you're doing right now and go get in your car and look at the old, uh, super center there. That's now run by Southwest key. And they won't let you in. In fact, as soon as they see you showing up, they're going to start running around and talking on their radios. And uh, and they keep about 1,500 uh, uh, boys in there that are under the age of 18. They're not allowed to leave. They rarely see sunlight. And, uh, and this is happening in many, many places. That's a side topic. We've got a huge amount of information on that place and others. And uh, But anyway, yeah. So a lot of these things that sounded crazy, they weren't crazy. They were just ahead of their time and uh and like alex jones he, it turns out he wasn't crazy and uh he was just ahead of his time and uh but when it comes to tri-state city when i was in luxembourg last year luxembourg borders netherlands the first time i was in luxembourg is when i was in the army united states army not the not the dutch army i'm american but the uh uh and we had parachuted in to do some training uh with my unit and then after a couple of weeks running around out in the forest we got toured around uh, Luxembourg, and it was a beautiful country, the jewel of Europe, they would call it. And now, when I went back last year, it's about 50% migrants. I say 50, I didn't say one five, five zero, about 50%, about half migrants now. It's well, they're dangerous doing the, the, uh, the this migrant thing. I want to, I want to stop you here because this is a, another salient point that you're making, right? So you've, you've, you've outlined twice where foreign populations have been injected into a local population to dilute the the um the population first in in hong kong and then now in europe and in the us and and i would say to you that i think part of this was tried tried and uh, perfected by the chinese first and then expanded to the rest of the world and it's it's part of the the mao marketing program where you go to all of the non-urban areas and you fill those urban areas with economic opportunity and chinese and or or immigrants and then they by and large surround the urban areas and then the urban areas ultimately are um invaded by all of these immigrants that's that's how they've done it here that's how they've done it everywhere else i mean if you look at africa I, is it uh, it's not zaire it's uh it's not nigeria either it's one of the one of the countries um, surrounding uh, Rwanda that they have Chinese autonomous zones because they've come in, they've established mining and resource um, resource rights, and they've come in and set up Chinese autonomous zones. And they're doing it across Africa. They've done it across the Pacific. In fact, 300 miles south of Pearl Harbor is a, an island that was purchased by the chinese for the for the sole purpose of building a long airstrip so they could bring bombers in and it's ingenious because they they come in and say they're going to build an airport they're going to bring in tourism they're going to build the island up and really what it is it's the guys for military operations it's been, i have to give them credit where credit's due their their long game strategy has been brilliant and yeah, that's what you're it, It's kind of simple, actually. It's just simple. They just decided to do it. You know what I mean? And they're willing to wait generations to make it bear fruit. Yeah. And the other the other piece that I that I remind people of is China has enough population to to take over the entire United States and inhabit every 
every home in the U.S. without breaking a sweat to their population. They could do it tomorrow and occupy every single house in this country with a Chinese family and not break a sweat in China. And they intend to do it. They intend to do it. (laughs) They absolutely intend to do it. Yeah, it's not uh, gonna. It's not gonna work. I mean, we're gonna. You know as well as I do. This is gonna go through. We're gonna go through a a pretty intense period of conflict. But that said, um, let me ask you about the 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 uh, illegals coming across the border because you talked about how Panama is going to be pretty much flooded with uh, with immigrants, and I, I think your analysis is spot on because the, the I've been trying to tell my audience for two years. This is global. This is not just the U.S. This is this is occurring across the planet, specifically in the West for, you know, it's visible, but it's happening everywhere. And the, the place where they've really isolated and not really done the, the migrant piece of it, and I think part of it's just because of logistics, is in Southeast Asia and in Indonesia. They, you don't see a big influx of people going in there because they've already got control of that area economically, logistically, resources, they've, they've got control of those areas. So we're seeing that happen in Africa, South America, Central America, Europe, and the U.S. and Canada. And I think right. Canada's a lot more compromised than the U.S. is from a, from a communist perspective. I think for the most part, they're, they're still leveraging threat to get and, and coercion, um, coercion, bribery, and a few other tactics to get the local officials. Here in here in Arizona, they use the cartels to fund all of the candidates that they've installed in the in, into local office. That problem will, will be resolved fairly quickly. I'm not worried about that. The piece that I am worried about is that Washington, D.C., for the last 10 years, has been turned into an armed fort. The underground uh, facilities they've built, the amount of hardening they've done to all those structures. They've spent a significant amount of time and money building that infrastructure. Do you see that that happening everywhere? Or do you do you see that just in DC? I, I mean, it's clear that they plan to do a huge reduction of the US population. That's like amazingly obvious. Uh, and um and and at this point they'll probably end up succeeding because Americans are still not stopping the border. They're all running off to save Israel and save Ukraine, or or you know what I mean, or distracted by absolute nonsense. Uh, while uh, while the border is every day that the flows increase into the United States, it's so easy to turn off our lights. If our light, I don't need to tell you this, and I think most of your listeners don't need to be told this either. But our lights can be turned out. Uh, you know, and our comms, obviously, which would go with our light for most people, their comms would go with their with their lights. Uh, yeah. For some of us, we could still communicate, but others, but but our communication would be strongly mitigated as well, right? And and you'll and you'll just go and in, go into a famine at, at the end of the day. By the way, I just got a note came in from a from an intel guy he says a U.S. base was just attacked in Iraq. I mean, he's a he's the guy is usually very accurate. Accurate, I've known him for years. But um, it's you know this thing is clearly going to go global, and it is well, it is global. But this war in Israel is clearly adding gasoline to an already hot fire. I think it's it's you and I talked about this last night. I I'm firmly convinced that this was this is an architected script, probably by Mossad and the CIA with the help of the Iranians, because I, as I said last night, 
there was Iranians on the Secret Service detail, and I've heard that from several people now, so I believe it to be true, that there was Iranians that had infiltrated the Secret Service detail for the president. When you have that kind of access, you can have direct comms and do whatever you want to do with the key people in charge. And this, the timing of this, the the, the way it's it's developed over the last few days tells me that this is an operation to incite um, public opinion and to leverage the the emotions of not just the Muslim public, but the the um, the Jewish public. And it, the other side of this is we we could go down a rabbit hole in this, but um, I, I think this is well scripted, well choreographed, and you, I think you're right. You, you said to me last night, "Give it a week, we'll be at war with with it, with uh, Iran." I think you're right. I think that's going to happen this week. It'll start with Hezbollah in in Lebanon, and then it'll spread to that. You know, well, Iran's behind this; they're supporting Hezbollah, so we need to go to war with them. They've they've been looking for a reason to to draw them into it, and I. This does a lot of different things for Iran. It does a number of things for Israel, and it does a number of things for the U.S. all in one swoop. And I can see them all colluding to make it happen because the regime in, in Iran has had issues with protests across their country for the last two years, three years, probably longer. But those are growing more in intensity because people are tired of the, the uh, oppression. And then you have the economic conditions here, the Biden crime family, and there's a host of scandals here. But the biggest one is the economy. If they start a world war, the best way to wipe out you know, $221 trillion in debt is to start a good world war. And that's exactly what they plan on doing and then crashing the economy at the same time. So it's the best of all worlds for them if they can achieve it. And I, I think the best thing for us as, as a, just a society would be to some way to spread the message across all those populations and say, you're being played. This is a big this is a big play that's being played out in front of you and you're being sucked in emotionally. Step away from it and don't participate. And I think yeah. if people went full stop, this would this would take the wind out of their sails and, and disrupt all of their operations. But you can't get that message out because people are still too addicted to the mainstream media. So uh, I want to refocus on something because I know we have a limited amount of time and I want to max you. You have eyes on for Chinese coming across the border. You told me a story yesterday about some Chinese nationals that came across and shocked one of the local store owners there. Can you walk us through what you're seeing for Chinese nationals coming across? Yeah, um, down in Darien Gap, I see them a lot, you know. And um, actually, I took two Chinese uh, translators down with me at one point. One spoke Cantonese and one spoke Mandarin. And after we talked with about 50 different Chinese, none spoke Cantonese. They all spoke Mandarin or Fujianese or something else. A lot of people, a lot of Americans, by the way, think Chinese is an actual language, but it's not. It's like a group of languages, right? Like, and yeah. so, and so, um, uh, but they all spoke like, again, a lot of more Fujianese. But, uh, but so anyway, these people came in. A lot of the people, a lot of the Chinese that come through, uh, which is every day, they'll be coming through right as we speak right now. And um, they uh, they have more money. Uh, most of them, they come an easier route. It's still difficult, but it's much, much easier. It's more like a difficult vacation as opposed to Darien Gap, literal death trip, you know. And uh, and uh, and they um, and, but some I mean, a lot or most are military age males by far out of all groups. Most are military age males like across the board. And um, 
And they, uh, the Chinese came in earlier this year. They came to this hotel called Tenose Hotel. It's ne next to San Vicente Camp on the Pan American Highway in Darien Province. I've stayed for months in that hotel. It's a one-star hotel. The things I do for information. So, <laughs> in the, uh, so it's a one-star hotel. And uh, and they the, the Chinese will often stay in it after they come through the Darien Gap. So these six or seven guys came in, and they negotiated a price for a rooster because the roosters are, you know, they're basically yard yard chickens around there that I eat all the time. Uh, and uh, they negotiated a price, chopped off its head, you know, drained the blood into little shot cups and drank the blood. And immediately I was like, oh, that's, you know, I see that with different special operations around the world, different places, uh, or um, also, and you'll see it in cults and that sort of thing. So I immediately got that on video to, you know, um, the, uh, you know, basically the testimony, let's say, uh, of what happened. And I published it and, uh, and it went pretty viral actually and people were like oh yeah that's what this certain unit in china does it's a, some sort of special operations unit because you know i've traveled around the world a lot and i've seen a lot of different militaries and that's the kind of stuff that you might see like for instance the uh thai special forces i spent a lot of time in thailand uh and i mean like like not at the bars, you know what I mean? I, I'm talking, you know, some people, when they think Thailand, they think, oh, you're there for bars and vacation. No, you'll see me. If you look up my name in Thailand, you see me flying around with the prime minister and stuff, right? So uh, in Thailand, their, their special forces will drink like cobra blood, as an example. And um, now, by the way, on Thailand, there's another potential for a sort of Panama Canal on something called the Kra Isthmus. And we've watched for years, just me and a couple of other people, I and a couple of other people have watched as Chinese have been buying up land across the Kra Isthmus. Uh, you know, that it's important that they do it quietly, sort of silently. And because you could build a sort of Panama Canal across that Kra Isthmus. And eventually that'll probably come to pass. But anyway, uh, bottom line is when it comes to the blood, um, yeah, when I see things like that, uh, all this global experience of traveling around with so many different cultures really comes, it's more than just, you know, uh, dinner talk, you know, it's actually very useful in spotting people of interest. Well, I think the interesting thing is, and, and we've talked, my team and I have talked about this at nauseum. Um, and it's funny that you talk about the Panama Canal, because one of my, one of my team members is a, He's a threat analyst, and he called out the Panama Canal literally almost two years ago and said, this is a key piece of terrain that we should never have let go of. Nope. And now it's going to be it's going to go to the hands of, of our enemy. Uh, I know you have to bolt um, any any last bits for for the audience. I, we're going to do another probably 10, 10 interviews together because, I mean, we're just scratching the surface of the things you've seen. And I. Just I know from this I'll get five thousand questions. I'm going to collate those questions so when we do this again, um, we can we can nug through some of those. But any last any last words for for the audience? Uh, we're far from beaten, far from beaten. Uh, the fact that I'm out here on the front lines, and uh, and so many others are like you. There's many of us, right? And our numbers are growing. That's clear. And organize your people because you, you're nothing alone there's rambo's a movie uh, you know what i mean uh we have to work as teams that's vital and uh and be careful uh who you allow into your network uh no cowards allowed you know what i mean the worst thing you can do is have cowards in your ranks because they'll sell you out 
but the, the, the World Economic Forum and the Chinese Communist Party are not omniscient. They're not invincible. They're not omnipotent. They uh they have uh they have vulnerabilities and just every chance you get, throw some, you know, grease on the ground and trip them a little bit. You know, uh, just don't let them just everything you can do to slow them down. Do something every day, even if it's tiny, just do something every day to to slow them down and do something every day to increase the strength of our side because we can take this back. Uh, but if you just sit, if people just sit around and don't do anything, they will be destroyed. And when I say destroyed, I don't mean uh, it'll just be inconvenient. I mean killed. Uh, and because they, they are clearly coming to take United States, and I mean physically take it and do you come think and take your be homes. A, Do you think there's going to be a red dawn moment? Because that's floating around the the alternative media it has been for about a year now. And it's already it's happening. It's happening right now. I mean, they're coming across the board as we speak. You know, that that article that came out was sent to me this morning by a Border Patrol friend. He's been a career Border Patrol agent and just sent it this morning, uh, reported on the blaze. 18,000 gotaways in over 16 days. Got known gotaways. Known gotaways are people that they picked up on sensors like cameras and uh, but did not even did not. The Border Patrol never even like said hello to them. They just watched them come in. Right. Those are the known gotaways. A huge amount of gotaways are not detected at all. They're completely undetected. Right. This does not include the people that just fly in uh, or the CBP one app, which is hundreds of thousands, it does not include the people that are actually apprehended. But apprehended, is a, that's a that leads people to often think, you know, that they're being returned. Because they tell me that all the time. Oh, great, they're apprehended. Apprehended means nothing. I'm watching them get apprehended all the time. Apprehended means, okay, sir, get on the bus, and then they go release them. You're released, and apprehended doesn't mean what a lot of people think it means. It means you are now released into the United States. Only a very, very few are actually returned, right? Most of the people uh, are, you know, we've got millions of people coming into the United States. It's incredibly easy to uh, to say, oh, hey, you know, Lushan Zhao, this is your home. Uh, here's the address to it. Go kill the people that live in that home, and it's yours, right? That's what Stalin did, right, with the kulaks. That's what Mao did. That's what, you know, these these sorts of ideas are not new. It's not conspiracy theory. They've been done over and over and over. You just move a different population in and say, hey, that, that Jew's store, that's your store. In fact, you can have his house too. Just go ahead and kill him and it's yours, right? It's that simple. Take his yeah. farm. Right? And that's, that's I wanted to good. prompt you to say that because I, you and I had briefly touched on that last night. And I, I, I knew you would get there today. So I'm glad you did because that's that's how I see it developing. I see them. I, I, well, I see two, uh, three scenarios. I'll make it really quick so I know you have to, to, to bail. But the one scenario I see is they're going to put these guys into blue helmets. And they're, they've staged a bunch of, um, uh, let's just say, future blue helmets in a lot of the blue cities and major cities across the country. Then they're going to have the, the Chinese SF that's going to go after critical infrastructure, military bases. They're going to use the, the cartels to go after the first responders, the police and the sheriffs. And then they're going to they're going to use them to destabilize the border cities and, and a lot of the major cities on the border, um, as well as in Texas and try and destabilize and create chaos exactly the way they did in israel came across they came across the the uh, you know came over the fence line and their little paragraph gliders greatly staged by the way um and then create chaos before the military can organize a defense they can bring america i'm sorry go ahead sir they they 
I see them doing disruptive operations, and I don't think we're that far away. To be perfect, no, honest. I don't either. And you could, you know, you've been into the IED wars. I've been into several wars where there's a lot of IEDs, and uh, IEDs are you can you can shut down a huge amount of America's roads just by hoax IEDs. I mean, and we've seen it happen in Iraq and Afghanistan. I've seen it happen in Nepal and other places. Uh, I spent a year up in Nepal watching, you know, I was out with the Maoists a lot, watching how those guys operated. Unfortunately, they won and uh, and then made Nepal even worse, of course, because they're Maoists. They and um, and uh, and uh, just like it's the same story every time. But the, uh, yeah, at the end of the day, it's not over, but um, uh, but it's going to get intense. It's going to get very intense. Uh, we're clearly going into a very bloody kinetic war in the United States. I don't see any way out of it at this point. And, you know, no. war is my business. That's what I do. I go from conflict to conflict. And, uh, you know, at, at some point, you know, when you're doing this in your younger days, it's, you know, it's more, you know, it's it can be very confusing. It still can be at times. But now I'm, I'm like an oncologist who's been doing this for 30 years and I can walk into the room and smell the cancer. Right. You know, you yep. just get to the point where you've done it so much that you can just you just know, you know, <laughs> so you can see it. Yeah. Uh, and without the x-rays and all that, you know, that's why I want to get you on, bro, because I, I know that you have you have a ton of experience in different parts of the world that people aren't even paying attention to. And I and I this is scratching the surface. So we I definitely want to do this again. We'll, we'll I'll stay in touch and we'll figure out um, timing to do this. I mean, if we do it next week, we'll do it next week. Um, that's that's uh, well, when you, you're traveling soon, right? Sounds like. Yeah, I got to travel soon. It's to another country, and uh, and then once I get there, I can I can say live where it's at. But I don't I don't want to. No worries. No, no worries. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, just just trying to set schedules. So, but uh, I really appreciate you coming on. Absolute honor to have you on. It's I you, every time uh, every time we talk, you just blow my mind with stuff. <laughs> just cause, so I know we're gonna get a ton of questions, and uh, appreciate the appreciate the time. And I I know you got to go. And and thanks for everything. I appreciate it. I really appreciate your having me on, Colonel. And uh, anytime, well, when when I got a connection. <laughs> <Check that. laughs> All right, take care. Thanks. Bye bye.